Pretend the things of this world have brought them peace of mind. But with the dawn of each new day, new thrills they try to find. Not until they meet the Prince of Peace can they ever hope to find relief for Jesus is still the answer for a world that's seeking for peace Jesus is still the answer and though time and ages roll Jesus is still Some may say he doesn't fit with their philosophy. I know Jesus is still the answer. He's always been and always will be. And though some may say he doesn't fit with their philosophy. Jesus is still the answer. He's always been and always will be. Amen. Well, this is our 26th year at Community Baptist Temple, and it seems like it's gone just like that. I mean, it's been quick. And, uh, you know, some of these young people, you know, they look at me and they look at some of you and they say, wow, you guys are old. I mean, you live forever. I mean, they're kind of like, well, if Corona gets you, well, you lived a long life. I mean, they don't, they don't think nothing of it. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're young. I mean, I'm three times, four times than some of these guys and gals. And I understand that. But let me tell you something. 26 years, I mean, honestly, is like that. You'll look back in your life and you'll be like, where did it all go? What just happened? It's amazing. It, it really is amazing. Uh, you know, uh, the Bible talks about our life as being a vapor, but the truth is, is that it's until you're toward the end of that vapor that you really recognize and understand how quickly it does go. And life only gets faster. It doesn't slow down. It just gets more upbeat, more faster, just constantly speeding up. And so right now... The days are longer than they'll ever be in your life if you're a young person or if you're 20 years old. They aren't going to get any slower. They only get faster and faster and faster. And so enjoy them. 
and enjoy the health that you have. You say, well, my health's not perfect. It's only going to get worse. So you better enjoy what you've got. <clears throat> you know, now hopefully it gets better if you really got a problem and you get some help. But I'm just saying, if you're already feeling aches and pains at 20, oh boy, are you in for it. But anyway, that's right, amen, that's right. Well, I just wanted to share a few moments tonight. I, I wanted to basically uh, just talk a little bit about the church and kind of what we've done and you know, not so much what we've done, but what God did in my life as we began the ministry and kind of give you an idea of where we started. And then uh, I just want to look back on those days and share a couple of things that kind of stand out in my mind, things that made a difference as we began the ministry <clears throat> and things that ultimately make a difference even today in the ministry. And so I want to take a moment and pray and then I want to share just a couple of excerpts from uh, uh, the um, journal that I've kept through the years. Uh, I don't really keep journal so much now like I used to, but I used to keep a very uh, more detailed journal as we went through this process early on in the ministry. And so I want to share just a few journal entries with you, and uh, hopefully you'll find them, uh, you know, you'll just get a little background to where I was. I was about, I was just going to be turning 31 years of age when uh, I felt the Lord had called us. Uh, called myself and my wife and family to start Community Baptist Temple. And I had been working at a church. Um, I started late into Bible college. I think I was, I was 25 when I got married. And uh, I had been in the military, and so I got married at 25. It was the year that I got married I got called to preach. I got called to preach. I, I actually asked my wife to marry me. We had a two-month engagement. And a month into that engagement, the Lord called me to preach. And so I went to my wife and I said, now listen... Uh, I just want you, I, I want to be very clear, the Lord's called me to preach. If you can't be a preacher's wife, then we got to call this off. That's what I told her. And she said these words. She said, well, I can't play the piano, but I'll do the best I can. I said, well, that's all that the Lord wants from any of us. And so the, we, we moved ahead with our wedding and uh, I uh, started Bible college that fall and uh, spent three years in Bible college. I'd already been two and a half years at the University of Akron, and I spent another three years in Bible college at that point. And uh, when I finished Bible college, the pastor at the church where we were attending at that time, uh, and we, at that point we were doing youth and music and all kind of stuff, running the, on, the only bus basically they had, that kind of thing, doing all of those things. And uh, he offered me a part-time job. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll pay you 150 bucks if you'll work part-time for me. And uh, I had lost my job because I wouldn't work on, the, well, they got mad at me or upset with me for whatever reason. I still can't figure it out. But at any rate, the guy said, you're going to work on Sunday. And he knew I wouldn't work Sundays. And I said, well, you know I can't do that. And he said, well, then you're fired. And I said, you don't have to fire me. I'm leaving. And so I walked out the door. And, and uh, it was a, a week or so later, the pastor had me sit down. And he, he said, listen, I'll give you a part-time job, 150 bucks a week. And I said, well, you don't have anybody cutting your grass. You don't have anybody cleaning your church. Right now, you're paying to have your grass cut. You're paying to have your church cleaned. I said, if you'll give me $50 a week extra, I'll work full-time for you. And uh, so for $200 a week, I started working full-time. And, um, and then I worked a couple years there, and uh, actually four, well, actually two years for pay, and I worked a couple years there just doing things for free. And I really, I never worked any harder when I was on staff than I was before, to be frank with you. Uh, but I was... You know, it was just great, getting paid to do what you love anyway, right? And uh, so, nonetheless, uh, the Lord uh, started working in my life. And uh, I had a friend that was uh, in the ministry. He was a missionary, and he told me about a church that was looking for a pastor. And he said, I, I gave him your name. And, I, and he said, I give a couple churches your name, and, and I just thought maybe you might want to go candidate, you know? And, and I said, I appreciate that, but honestly, I, I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me what to do. And... Uh, my pastor, I was in communication with him about all of these things, and he finally said to me, he said, you know, you need to candidate for a church. You need to go down and try one of them churches. You need to do it, if not for anything else, just the experience of it. I said, okay. So I went down, and I candidated for a church. I got down there, and to be frank with you, I, I think I could have helped their church. I, I really did. I went in there, and I told them. I said, listen, I believe God can, you know, do something with this ministry. As I've looked around, I believe you have potential. And uh, I said, I believe we can do something here. And, uh, of course, they, they didn't want me to tell them what, anything. They just wanted to tell me what to do. And, I, and they never called me. They gave me a love offering, though. That was the first time I've ever had really one of those, and that was kind of cool. 
And so we ate a big burger, <laughs> which we won't be able to do tonight unless we go through the drive-thru. But anyway, uh, we made our way uh, back home. And so nonetheless, I, I didn't do that. And I uh, didn't feel the Lord was in it at all anyway in the long run. And so the Lord finally called us to start a church. And I was confident that, uh, I, you know, that that's the direction we were going to go. I just didn't know where. And so on Tuesday, I just did the wrong thing there, didn't I? On Tuesday, the 21st of September, 1993, Bob, I hope you don't have corona. But anyway, I shook Bob's hand. He's the only person I shook hands with today. He said, Bob, I'm watching you. <laughs> so nonetheless, um, and on Tuesday, the 21st of September, 1993, and we started the church, obviously. We started in March of, 2000, uh, March of 1994. So this is a number of months ahead of time, but it says, still seeking a 100% answer as to the location. Satan has tried to get me to doubt God's call to start a church. And uh, again, he would continue to do so. Um, it would be a couple of days later, I would write on the 23rd, still seeking the unquestionable go-ahead from God concerning starting a church in Lake Township. Circumstances all say yes up to this point, but I still desire God's peace and moving of the Spirit. I am excited and anxious to begin, but continue to remember Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. God's timing is very important. And I put Proverbs 5, 3, 5, and 6. Uh, and I put, these were verses I claimed this morning. And of course, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And so we continued to pray and just seek the Lord's face. I continued to ask the Lord, where do you want us to start this church? I believe you want us to start a church. That's pretty clear to me. I'd been in contact with my pastor about it. He was behind it 100%. And we were just uh, waiting to see where God would send us. Well, on Wednesday the 29th, I wrote, I want so much to be right where God wants me. I know that we all make mistakes. But this is one area that I want to know 100% for sure that I am making the right decision. This decision, as far as I'm concerned, is as important as who I decided to marry. Each of these decisions affect your entire life. I want to have good success in the ministry the Lord gives me, and I can think of no better insurance policy than that of God's stamp of approval and go-ahead. I'm ready to begin as soon as God gives me a location. For now, I am considering the direction and end of the ministry God will soon give me. Now, I want you to listen to what I just said there. Right now, I said I'm considering the direction and end of the ministry. I already, even as a 30-year-old, I understood that the decision I make today will affect the end of my life. Now listen, I think it's important that everybody realizes, you young people especially, when you start thinking about decisions you're going to make in your life, don't think about how it'll affect you just immediately. You need to think about how it'll affect you and your ministry 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. It's so important that we do that because you'll make a much better informed decision. You'll take the time to really pray. You'll take the time to really seek the Lord if you honestly believe that this decision is going to affect your future. And so you need to think about those things. Now again, on the 8th of October now, uh, another, basically another nine or ten days later, I'm still, we're still waiting for 100% confirmation for the Lord that the Lake Uniontown Hartville area is what he wants for us. I'm anxious, however. Not so anxious as to move without God's okay, some would say, all that is needed is for me to step out by faith and begin the work. Well, I know God answers prayer, and I know he will give me the answer I seek if only I wait upon him. Hartville might not be the right area. I just don't know for sure 100%. By this time, I'm starting to get a little pressure now. My pastor even's going, you know what? If you know God wants you to start a church, then just go out and start one. You know, take that leap of faith. And I said, I'm waiting on God to speak specifically to me about a specific place. I want, without a doubt, to know that God's in it. And, uh, and so I started getting pressure from others as well. Some people just, well, why aren't, what, what's going on? What's the holdup? But you know God wants you to start a church, right? There's all kinds of places you can start a church. You know the kind of stuff you might get. By the 26th of October, I'm still writing, still waiting for God to direct. I'm ready to preach and start my own work more than ever. Apparently, God is not. That's a tough place to be, isn't it? You're ready, but he isn't. But you have to wait on the Lord. I'm thankful for God's provision and blessing and want to remain within his will. And I'm going to make a more concerted effort to obtain direction from God. 
Now, over the next couple of months, he'd give me a green light to start the church. He'd provide the location and the starting date. So now we have the location. I know I'm going to start a church now. God's made it clear. We know where the church is going to be, and we know the date that it's going to begin. It's going to be that second Sunday in March. On Friday the 4th, February now, 1994. We're talking about six weeks before the church starts. God continues to bless my family and I in this move. Just two days ago, I told Sherry that at this point, I know for a fact that our church, however small and new it may be, can and will make a difference in the lives of those that attend. Just two or three weeks ago, I could not say this. God is beginning to give me godly confidence of which I need. One of the things that started to really affect me was I, I kind of went through kind of a little bit of a roller coaster ride. In one hand, I'm thinking, okay, God's going to send me out to start a church. Praise God, we're going to start a church. We're going to reach people with the gospel. But then something in the back of my mind, whether it was the devil or my flesh, would say, but you don't have nothing to offer people. You don't have a Sunday school. You don't have classes. You don't have a choir. You don't have, you don't have anything. You got you. It's you. They're going to have to come to church and listen to you. And that's all you got. There's nobody else in the ministry, just you, your wife, and your wife's got kids to take care of while she's there. So you got you. Well, I'll tell you what, that was a struggle for me. I thought, man, I don't know, that ain't going to be enough. Nobody's going to want to come to Community Baptist Temple if they've got to listen to me and I've got to sing and I'm going to have to preach and I've got to do it all. They're going to want some variety. They're going to want some teaching. They're going to want somebody else. They're going to want a choir. Well, the Lord started saying, you know what? I'll bring the people that I want for you. And you'll be able to meet the need, even though you're limited in what you can do. Wednesday, the 16th of February now, almost a couple of weeks later, uh, at this point we're getting tracks now. We're starting to, uh, trying to get our tracks set up because I'm wanting to start door knocking. I'm wanting to start working. And of course, our tracks aren't showing up. Uh, they got kind of held up a little bit. So I had to go out. I, I made up my mind. The devil was trying to discourage me, and I made up my mind. I'm going to go out anyway. I'm just going to take a flyer with me. <laughs> the first day I go out, it's on a Saturday morning. And it's like, I don't know, it was like 15 degrees out. I mean, snowing and wind blowing. The wind chills were at, I, I, they were like, at, I mean, single digits. I'm over there, and, and I'm trying to, you know, you don't want to wear one of the masks that's over your face as you knock on a door, you know. But I'm freezing. I only hit like 30-some doors, and I could not even talk. It was crazy. And I thought, well, the devil ain't going to win. I'm still going to do it. We did the best, we, best, best I could. Got out there. Started door knocking every day and getting ready for that ministry. And our tracks came in finally. That was a blessing. On the 22nd of February now, as the, days, the day draws even closer, we become more excited and anxious. God is faithful beyond our wildest dreams and leaves no need unmet. Um... There's some things here I don't really need to read. I put this morning, however, uh, I found myself humbled before my God as a little child lost in the dark. Not knowing what lie ahead. Can I tell you, it doesn't make me emotional because I remember how I felt then. It makes me emotional because I remember how I still feel. Um, I spent much time in prayer requesting God's grace and confidence in Him. God again reaffirmed my direction and gave to me overwhelming confidence as He brought to remembrance Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. All too often I find myself requesting things at the hand of God, but far too seldom do I take time to listen. This morning I listened and God spoke. It's important that I take time to only listen. Well, my last day uh, at the church was on February the 25th. And it was a couple of weeks before our opening day. We took a couple of weeks off, and we just didn't go to church. We did nothing. We went just 
I'm teasing, we did. But anyway, we took off there, though, because we were trying to prepare and ready ourselves there and so forth. But um, I remember, um, I'm trying to see here, I thought I had it in these notes, but... Um, I don't know where I wrote, uh, read it earlier sometime this week, but I remember wanting to preach. I told my wife I wanted to preach one last time at the church where we were attending. And uh, she said, well, you ought to tell the pastor. You ought to ask him. And I said, I'm not going to ask him to preach. I'm going to pray, and if the Lord wants me to, he'll let me. And my pastor did. He came to me and he said, listen, I'm a, I want you to preach one last time before you leave. Well, I already knew what I was going to preach. I'd already made up my mind. I'd even told my wife, if I get the opportunity to preach one last time at, at the church, I'm going to preach a, t a message entitled, Guaranteed Success. Guaranteed Success. And so I did. I got the opportunity to preach that message. Guaranteed Success. Because, see, I was convinced that God was going to bless no matter what. I had no doubt of that. I was convinced of it. I knew God was going to give. Now, I didn't know 100% what that meant. I mean, I couldn't have told you for sure, well, we're going to be running this, or we're going to be running... I, could, I necessarily couldn't tell you that, but I knew we'd be successful. Because God was in it. I put Satan is working. This is on March 7th, just a week earlier, before we started. Satan's working overtime to discourage me, and to get my eyes off Christ and on the overwhelming circumstances. The car broke down, checks were messed up, the rent was refused and a higher amount was required. Even my landlord was helping the devil. <laughs> Rain was ruining visitation by this point. And many little things were adding uh, to add to the total, but God is faithful who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we were able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that we might be able to bear it. God is my refuge and shelter in time of storm. I lean and trust in Him. I go to God especially on behalf of my family tonight. I'm well aware of Satan's dissatisfaction with what will take place Sunday and realize that he will go to any length to derail that effort. God, protect my family this week and bind Satan and his band in Jesus' name. I claim the blood of Christ and the power of the Almighty God come Sunday. God will be glorified, exalted, and praised as the gospel is proclaimed to all. Philippians 3.14 Strengthen and sustain me. Meet my every need spiritually and physically. May I ever be mindful of the armor of God that I must wear. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and bring salvation to both my house and self. Sunday, March the 13th. Here it is now. Starting the church. It's finally here. I took a short walk this morning in the rain. I do remember that walk. God calmed me and again brought everything back into perspective. This whole thing, the church, began years ago with a personal relationship. And that relationship has brought me here today. I thought that having my own church would make me feel as if I had arrived or accomplished or, or accomplished something. I mean, as a kid, and I'm being honest, as a kid, I dreamed of that moment. There was a time in my life I wanted to be a pastor, even when I was a kid. And then I kind of lost that vision for a, a while. And then the Lord said, guess what? I'm calling you into the ministry. But now that I am here, I realize how far I am from arriving and how unable and incapable I am of accomplishing God's will and call himself. I glory in God today just thinking of how God is using me in spite of myself. Now, I do want to emphasize this, and I think it's important, especially to the young people. Everything rises and falls on your personal relationship with the Lord. Nothing else. The, the idea that you say, well, I sing at the church, means absolutely nothing in and of itself. Well, I, I teach Sunday school. Who cares? When it's all said and done, all that matters is your relationship with the Lord. That's all that matters. That's everything. And if we don't get, we have to get a handle on that. We've got to understand that. Now, what have we learned? As I look back on those days, there are a couple of things that stand out then. There's just a couple of things that stand out. 
What are they? Well, here they are. I'm going to give you four things that stand out to me. As I read through some of that and as we began the ministry there, oh, we, we were blessed. I mean, God blessed us there. We, we went, I, I mean, I'd been knocking on doors. I'd been reaching out to people. And, you know, I, I had a job for two weeks, and then that job fell, out, fell through. And so now I prayed about it, and the Lord said, don't work. Just go out and knock doors, and I'll take care of you and your family. And for two solid months, I didn't work a day. God just supernaturally provided for my family and I. And I mean supernaturally. At the end of two months, the Lord finally said, you've got to get a job. And I was like, well, this has been pretty good. He said, yeah, but it's time for you to go to work. <laughs> and so I, went to, I got a job. The first job I applied for, I got. And so the Lord knew what he was doing. He sent my brother my way and said, guess what? We're hiring at our place. And I said, well, perfect timing. And so I went and I got a job. And I actually was making more money than I was making at the church. I got five and a quarter an hour there. So I was making, what, 200 and, I don't know what it was, two and a quarter. What's a quarter times 40? Eight bucks, 10 bucks? Because I was making 206 at the church when I left. <laughs> hey, that was a story in itself. That was, I'm sorry, but that was fun. Work for 200 bucks a week and then get a 3% raise and ask yourself how much you're going to be making. But anyway, you know what? You learn to be content in whatsoever state you are, folks. You better learn that principle real quick. Do you know one of the greatest honors that I've ever had, bar none, is the day that we left. The pastor stood in the pulpit and said, Brother Mark has never once complained about what we pay him here. And he's never once complained to me about what he does. Can I tell you, that meant more to me than, I, I can't even tell you. can't even tell you what that meant to me. Because I want that to be a testimony that I have. That I'm not putting emphasis on money. Putting emphasis on the Lord and the work of God. May God help us to never lose sight of that. But nonetheless, as I look back on those days, there are a couple things that stand out. Here they are. One, prayer. Prayer stands out. Turn again to Jeremiah 33.3. You probably know it by heart, and if you don't, it's a good one to learn. But the ministry of Community Baptist Temple was basically founded on Jeremiah 33.3 in Psalm chapter 40. Those were the verses that really stuck in my mind. But this one made a, such an impact in my life early on. And, and I want you just to look at it. it it's so powerful he says in the book of Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. When things started to unfold with starting Community Baptist Temple, I'll be honest with you, I, I started questioning myself a little bit. I started thinking, well, there's got to be somebody better qualified than me. There's got to be somebody that can do a better job than me. And then all of a sudden the Lord would say, Nah, you're good. You just go forward. And I'd go, I'm going forward. And then all of a sudden those feelings would come back. And I would find myself on my knees and I'd find myself begging God to do something mighty in, the, in my life and do something mighty in my family, in my marriage. But then also I realized that God can do the same in my ministry. And he said, call unto me and I'll answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And I started finding myself saying, well, God, if you promised it, then you can do it. I'm not going to settle for anything less than great then. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Boy, prayer is so important in the ministry as we began it. Prayer is important in the ministry today. Even our theme this year, let's pray. I don't know about you, but with everything that's going on in the world today, I can't think of a better theme. And, and it's premised on the fact that we say, Without him we can do nothing. And boy, I tell you what, we're in a, a crisis in our country, we're in a crisis in the world in which we live, and yet, let's pray, that's always the answer. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It was true then, and it's true today. And if we're going to see great things at Community Baptist Temple going forward, it's going to be a result of prayer. Amen. So prayer was so important. Number two, patience. Patience. Take your Bible, turn to Psalm 27, 14. I 
read the verse, but this became almost one of those verses that I would quote to myself and read every single day of my life. And for years, I, have, I came with, to, a, to a conclusion in my life early on that the, the greater part of the Christian life, the Christian life is virtually a waiting game. It's a waiting game. Too many times we are responding and we are acting before God speaks. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. <laughs> Be of good courage. It takes courage to wait sometimes. It takes courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. First we're to wait, and he says, be of good courage, and then he'll strengthen our heart. We're looking for the strength before we take courage. We're looking for the strength before we wait. Well, God, give me the strength to wait. No, he says, you wait, and you show good courage, and I'll strengthen you. Too many times we want God to do the, uh, we want him to reverse the roles. We want him to do for us what God intends us to do ourselves. He will give us what we need when we wait on him. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Turn to Isaiah 40, 31. Well, these are great verses. What powerful passage, What a powerful passage this is. Again, we're, we, there's a couple of things that stand out in my mind as we started Community Baptist Temple and as we, I trust, have gone through the years, this idea of prayer. How important, how, how of a, much of a necessity is it? And then this aspect of patience. I watch people throw their lives away because they can't wait. That, that, that's very frustrating. There are so many that just can't wait. Wait on whether it be a wife or a husband. Wait on a, a particular response from God before they take a job. Wait to move or not to move. Wait to go or not to go. Wait to do whatever it is. We fail to wait on the Lord. Watch what he says in Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. Here we are, we're waiting, and now shall renew their strength. Same kind of order we see in Psalm 27, 14. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Boy, you, you, know, you know, just as a side note, the bottom line is this. There is no better place, there's no better posture for strength than this one right here. This one right here. That's where you get the strength. We somehow think that strength just comes in knowledge. And although we know that knowledge is power, we get that to a degree. But the fact is, is that strength comes when we get alone with God and in the presence of Jesus Christ. Man, if we'll wait on God, I can't tell you the power, the peace that God will bring in our lives. It's so frustrating if, whether it's young people or adults alike that find themselves so quick to respond and react without waiting on the Lord. In Psalm 46.10, you know the verse probably, but he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. How many times... Have we looked around us? I don't want to go there right now because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Patience. Waiting on God. Prayer. Patience. Another aspect of that, those early days. And as I said, I trust, I've seen evidence of it through the years and I pray we never lose sight of these. But we have prayer and patience, but number three, planning and preparation. Planning and preparation. Now, this one's a little bit different than maybe you're thinking right now. See, you might be thinking, he's always talking about making sure the tracks are ready and making sure that all the, uh, you know, the, 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 they had um, a pulpit ready for that day and they had already you know, ensured that they had a location and 
just all the details of it. That's important and it's necessary. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It is, absolutely. What I'm talking about, though, when I mean planning and preparation, turn to Exodus 33, 11, and let's take an, see an example of it first. And then I'll express it. Planning and preparation. How important is this? Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Exodus 33, verse 11. This is the preparation I'm referring to primarily. Notice what it says. And the Lord... Oh, let me, let me get where I'm supposed to be. I'm at the wrong chapter. That would be helpful. 33, 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. Notice. But his servant Joshua... The son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. You say, what does that have to do with preparation? It has everything to do with preparation. Every one of us ought to be preparing ourselves for the work that God has for us. See, you don't know what God wants you to do necessarily in a year from now or five years from now. Especially some of the young people, without a doubt. I mean, they, they're trying to figure out what God wants for them at, at all. And, and, and they don't know where God's going to steer them. And some of them say, well, I know one thing. I won't be in the ministry. You don't know that. I know one thing. I don't want to do this my whole life. Oh, you might be surprised. See, it's not your responsibility to find out what God wants for you necessarily five years from now, but you do have a responsibility to prepare yourself so that when God speaks to you and calls you, you will be ready. And that's true with all of us. Sadly enough, as we get older, we have a tendency to think, well, my time's passed. I've done all my memorization. I've done all my Bible reading. I'm going to let all the young people take care of it. Well, how old are you, sir? I'm 43 years old. Are you kidding me? Man, you better be preparing yourself. God may have something for you. And I trust he will. And if you are any kind of Christian and trying to be any kind of, uh, trying to be like Christ to any degree, my friend, God has something for you and it's probably something much bigger than you even know. But it'll never happen if you don't prepare yourself. I mean, here's Joshua. We find Joshua now. Uh, he's a young man, the Bible says. Now, I don't know how old that was at that point, but what I do know is he's a young man, and he's following Moses, and he's following in his footsteps, and as Moses goes into the tabernacle, Joshua follows him in. Boy, Moses does business with God, and boy, he spoke to God face to face. God speaking to him, him speaking to God. I mean, it's amazing what God is doing. He's literally talking to Moses and Moses leaves the temple, and he's fired up for the things of God. He knows what God wants now. But Joshua says, you know what? You go ahead. I want to get ready for the future. And he spends time with God. And he begins to prepare his life and his person for whatever God has. He doesn't know that he will, without a doubt, be the next leader. He, isn't, he can't be sure. I mean, they're fighting battles. He doesn't know that his life will be spared. He may die in, in warfare. But Joshua, Joshua is putting himself in a position, putting himself in a place where ultimately when God says there's a need, he can stand up and rise to his feet and say, God, I'm ready. You just give me the word and I'll go. You give me the word and I'll do. I'm prepared. Even before we know exactly what God would have us to do, we should be preparing. I wonder, how many verses are you learning? How much Bible are you reading? How much are you studying? I mean, are you ready if, if, a, if a, 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 a Sunday school class comes available? Are you ready to step up or you go, oh, I just, I'm not ready for that. Why? Then there ought to be people waiting in the wings to serve God. But the problem is, is that we don't want to put forth that kind of effort. You know how long we've needed bus drivers around here? I can't even tell you how long. Do you know how long people have been going and saying, can you drive a bus? Yeah, I'll drive a bus. 
Oh, yeah, I think I can do that. Do you know how many bus drivers we still have? Other than what we've got. You want to know why I'm driving? Because of all those, there's at least six or eight people that have said at some point in the last four years they'd get their bus license, and they still haven't. You know why? They won't prepare. And when the need arises, there's nobody to step in place. Now listen, I'm using that as an example because it's pretty blatant, it's pretty clear. But let me tell you something. We have needs in our Sunday school. We have needs in our adult ministries. We have needs in our soul. We've got needs in every area of our ministry, but we need people who are already preparing. So as the opening exists, as the job arises, they'll say, I'm ready. I've been prepared. I've been moving toward that. I'm just waiting on God to point, put his finger on me. Planning and preparing. See, I think God used me to start Community Baptist Temple because I had already been planning and preparing. Before he ever called me to, to, to start a church, I'd already made up my mind, I want to be the Christian God wants me to be. I want to know the Word of God. I want to be the best Bible student I can be. And God said, you know what? There's a need now. And you're the man. And I went, huh, I've been preparing. Okay, I don't know if I'll be able to do exactly what you... Oh, you let me worry about that. I've watched you. I've kept my eye on you. I'm counting you faithful to get into the ministry now. Can God count on you to be faithful in the min- getting into the ministry, to call you into ministry? I'm not just talking about full-time. I'm talking about being in the ministry because we all have a part in ministry. Amen. You don't have to be paid staff to do ministry. Amen. Prayer, patience, planning, and preparation. See, be ready when he reveals his plan and purpose. Take a class, do a study, read, prepare, expose yourself to ministry, and be in a place where you can be used when God's ready to use you. And finally, permission. This word permission. Permission was big in my life. And I'm going to explain what I mean here in a moment. But we know prayer, patience, and planning and preparation. But another big aspect of the ministry, at least for me in starting Community Baptist Temple, was this area of permission. You'll notice that throughout the journal entries, I'm always saying I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm not 100% confident. I'm waiting on God's green light. I'm waiting for God to give me 100%. Boy, I didn't want to make a mistake. I wanted to know that if I got into a mess in the ministry, God would be there for me because he's the one that put me there. Do you know what's sad? A lot of times we bail on certain responsibilities and certain uh, things that we've committed to because we start to question whether or not we were really committed to them or whether God really called us. You know, a pastor says, well... If God really wanted me here, I wouldn't have had that revolt. If God really wanted me here, I wouldn't have all these problems. If God really wanted me here, there wouldn't be this. But wait a second. If you knew going in it was all God, then my friend, you know that this is also God allowing it. You stick it out. You don't have to question that. You stay the course. Well, I think my time here is done. Obviously, these people can't be blessed by me anymore. I've heard that from preachers so many times. And I think to myself, did God call call you there? Then how's come you're letting people chase you away? Because has God been the one to give you the green light to leave? He should have been the one to give you a green light to go. He has the only one that should be telling you to leave. You know what? I watch this thing. If God told you you should be with a particular person, then why don't we let God be the one to tell us when to leave that person? And yet I know what the Bible says about some of that. I'm just saying we better be careful. Do not make decisions without permission. Let God give you permission. Do you know what most of us do? We base our decisions on circumstances. And they are important, don't misunderstand me. But nothing can replace the peace of God and the confidence that comes from that still small voice. You know, when we look at the passage in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12, the Bible says, and after the earthquake... A fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. It's that still small voice that we need. And then we notice Moses. Moses Moses at one point said he would not go forward. 
until he was without a doubt positive that God would go before him. In Exodus 33, 15, and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I will not go forward. Lord, I don't want to go forward. I don't want to take a move in that direction unless you're going before me. So here's what, here's what I have to say about permission then. Well, the interest rates are right. The circumstances are perfect. Everybody tells me that this is the best time in the world to buy. People tell me that, that this, this particular location is awesome. Well, obviously, God's opened the door. The bank says, I have enough. They'll even give me a loan. It's got to be of God. Oh, that girl, you know, she goes to church. She's, she's sweet as punch. My parents like her. She, everybody at church loves her. She's great with kids. She's good looking. I mean, she's the whole package. It has to be God. God did this. God brought us together. Let me ask you, is it the circumstances that are confirming this in your life? Or is it truly God telling you? Most people do not wait for a green light from God. Most people look at the circumstances and make decisions based on what it appears to be. We look at it and we assess it and we weigh it out and we come to a conclusion based on what we see. But may I say it's not about what you see, it's about the faith that you have in Christ. It's Christ and Him alone that needs to direct and lead us and guide us. I didn't want to start Community Baptist Temple because my pastor felt, hey, listen, you've been doing this for three months now. I think it's time you move on. Don't you think you, you know God wants you to start a church? You believe it's that area? Why don't you just go out and start a church? Wherever you start it, God's going to bless it because, hey, let's face it, he wants souls saved, right? Uh-uh, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I won't move till God goes before me. I believe and I without a doubt, I'm confident that one of the reasons why God blessed Community Baptist Temple is because I was willing to wait till God was ready to start the ministry and told me where it would be, when it would be, before I ever even thought about it. Because I would not let any other thing but His presence and His person and, and His Spirit tell me, go. Do it now. And may I say, you'll stay out of a lot of trouble and so will I. If we wait on permission Amen. from God. Those are some of the things. Those are just four things that as I read through my journals, as I think about the beginning of the church, I think about these areas and I think if there's a reason why we were successful early on and why I believe God has continued to bless our church is because of some areas here. And those areas are prayer, patience, planning and preparation, and just downright, just permission. We want God to tell us what to do. Let me tell you something. That's a hard one to do right now. Because when you've got the world and you've got even church folks and then you've got an older crowd that's going to be around and you've got people that you're responsible for. Let me tell you something. It's easy to want to just respond, react. We can't react. We've got to seek God's permission. That's a tough one. And yet, let me say this. There's no greater peace in your life than when you get the green light and you move. And you know it's not your decision. It's His. And then no matter what happens, you can say, well, the Lord, this is obviously what you wanted because I did not move till you told me. And do nothing till you told me. Therefore, it's all on you. That's a wonderful place to be. It's hard to wait on the Lord for permission. But if you'll wait, then you don't have to worry about the consequences because they're all his. You say, what if you make a bad decision? Well, then obviously I didn't wait on him. Now hold on. I didn't say everything's going to be perfect because you follow the Lord. Let me tell you something. The children of Israel were led right out into what? The wilderness. That's right where God wanted them. Was it perfect there in the wilderness? Absolutely not. 
but it was right where God wanted them. But if you'll let the Lord lead you, you'll at least have a peace knowing no matter how good or how bad it gets, you're right where God wants you. We've been blessed at Community Baptist Temple. I feel like we've had the best of everything. I thank the Lord. I, I, as, a, as a pastor, I, don't, I haven't had to endure what many pastors claim they have. I haven't had to go through a lot of those things. And the things that I have gone through, I figure, well, who am I? It's happened to better people than me. So why, why let it destroy me? I guess I deserve some bad things in my life too, just like everybody else. God's still good. But boy, he spared us a lot of heartache, a lot of hurts. I look at my children, I look at my wife and family, I see what God has done in the lives of so many here at Community Baptist Temple, and I think to myself, I can't believe you'd even use me. But he does. And you know what's so great? He'll use you. He'll use you. Let him use you. Let him use you. If he can use me, he can use you. Someone says, ah, no, not me. Oh, yes, you. Don't ever let the devil tell you that God can't. You're special to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're very unique. And you say, yeah, that's what my wife or husband said. No, I mean it. He believes that, though. And he'll use you like he did Gideon. Thou mighty man or woman of valor, you wait on me. You pray. You seek my face. You prepare. Ready yourself. Then just give me the opportunity to give you a green light. Don't move till I tell you, though. Just keep growing. Keep getting stronger, and I'll use you. He'll do that if you'll let him. May the next year be a, the best year of our days here at Community Baptist. We had a great year last year, didn't we? This year starting off a little rocky, you say. Do you know that God could use this situation to make this the best year we've ever had? I mean, if the goal is to reach people with the gospel, this could be a perfect, perfect setting. And again, I, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's going to be smooth sailing all the way. I'm just saying, let's not lose sight of why we're here. It's not for us, it's for him, and it's for others that are in need. God could be opening up doors for us to minister like never before this year. Who knows? A few weeks may bring low crowds, but the waning future, the, the nearing future could bring just boom this place, just blow it up. Let's not lose sight of him. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. 26 years. I don't think I'll have another 26. We'll trust the Lord. Whatever he wants is what he'll get. And whatever he wants is what I need and what you need.